What's up? It's your boy. We're back at it. It's episode nine alive right here for you. We're rocking those nine lives. We're gonna see uh, how long it can go for you today. It's your boy Nick. It's the You Right Podcast. If it sounds a little echoey, a little tinny today, it's because I got my son in town and he loves his Spider-Man and he's watching a Spider-Man movie over in the studio. And uh, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> so if, if the echo's too much, I may just re-record this. So I set up shop in the bathroom today. Sitting on my throne of thoughts, taking care of some business. Let's see if we can do this right. Um, so we got a few things to go over. Since the last podcast, I've been trying to get some content for you guys and uh, make a, a good show. Uh, I've had my own little personal issues. That's why I've been technically difficult in uh, releasing the, the newest episode on time. I apologize for that. I, I got let go from my job and I've been trying to get some employment so that I can keep things going. So uh, something had to give and the podcast was it. So uh, please bear with me. Uh, I'm drinking and I'm smoking. So there will be breaks in between. Tonight we're sipping on Southern Comfort with a little tropical punch. And uh, we're smoking on some of that Gorilla Glue. Because <laughs> you know what it do. Um, so I got an email from one of our listeners, Adam Joencore. Um, he's a major contributor to the show. He, he drops off a lot of content in my ear. Um, and uh, he's a good friend of the podcast. Uh, he sent me something that had... Had some interesting connotations. Can you hear that crinkling? That's my sacco lady. <laughs> he sent me um, some links to some very interesting information. Um, one being the, the amount of inmates, not the amount. Let me rephrase that. The, the number of inmates in the prison system in the United States and in the state of Arizona. Um, and these statistics are very recent. I mean, as of June 22nd, it just refreshed on me as I was looking at it. As of June 22nd, the, the Bureau of Prisons, um, let me see, let me make sure I got the right state so I don't say something stupid. Bureau of Prisons. So this is federal. So this isn't just the state of Arizona. This isn't a regional thing. This is the federal prison system. Um, and whoopsie. And what the numbers are. Um, so this is back in June of this year, 2019. Uh, the percentage of inmates across the country Okay, Asian, 1.5%. Native American, 2.3%. African American or black, 37.5% of the population of prisons. Prisons, not jails, not county lockups, not workhouses. We're talking straight up and down prison, super max prison. Um, 37.5% of the prison population is black. This is the number that shocked me, and this is why I'm bringing this up. 58.7. 105,000 
See, I don't even trust that number. That's not even close to being right. Um, 105,834. See, I, I can't trust that number for some reason. It just, it screams foul because that's a really low number of incarcerated people in America. And I know our jails are more populated than that. Um, let's see what we can get here. Wow, yeah, this, this website, uh, BOP.gov, is where you wanna go. And it, it, it lays out all the numbers for all the inmates across the country. Um, the citizenships, the age ranges. Um, you know, the highest age range in there is 36 to 40. That's amazing. Wow. Um, let's see the release numbers. Oh, we could pick by location. Hell yeah. Let's pick Arizona. So in Arizona, wow. It goes all the way back to 1992. All right, so here, the month of May in Arizona, 111 inmates were released into this, into the population. Woohoo! 148 in April. Wow, these numbers are huge. I mean, a lot of people are getting released from jail every month. And this goes back to 1992. I mean, but the best part is these numbers for Arizona didn't hit the triple digits until... 2003. That was the first time they let 102 people out. Other than that, it was, you know, a few dozen here and there. I mean, back in January of 92, it was 35 people. Maybe I can trust those numbers. It just, they seem really small that there's 105,000 white people in jail and only 37,000 black people. But everybody wants to say how over, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How, how the black culture is, you know, over, just over-policed and, and put in jail and this, that, and the other thing. Now, I don't have jail or county numbers. I just have prison numbers. Um, so those are like super serious crimes. And I thought the numbers would be bigger. Um, I thought that the black, that's my grinder, the black and uh, African-American numbers would be greater than the white numbers, but they're not. And, and that just goes to show you people that somebody's throwing a line of schlock into your face, okay? If, if we're here believing one thing, but the numbers say something else, somebody's lying to you. And we need to get to the bottom of that. And that's... That's what we need to be worrying about in November with uh, who we elect. We need to elect the right people so that the right things happen. So that we don't have just bold-faced lying to us. I mean, I, I only brought this information up because I was shocked when I saw it. I did not believe. I thought the numbers were switched. When I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness. That's why I gotta say something to somebody. Because somebody wants to go, I told you, I knew it. Them motherfucking no good motherfuckers. And you know what? They can say that all they want. I don't give a fuck. The numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. 
white folks, you're in jail more than black people. Get off my ass. <laughs> Let's move on to the next subject, man. I want to talk about uh, this greasy-ass bastard Trump. Hold on, I got to do this. So I saw a post on social media the other day that asked this question. Should Donald Trump be on Mount Rushmore? And if so, why? And and that's the question I posed. Because the dude was like, yeah, it's long overdue. And he just did his, you know, the basic Donald Trump supporter rant of how good this man is and this and that and the other thing. So I asked him to tell me exactly what he has done to warrant Mount Rushmore. All he could say to me was, he hasn't done anything yet, but he's on the right track. Fuck, I'm on the right track to win the Nobel Prize, but I'm not out there saying, yeah, I should, I should win that motherfucker. No, dude, you shouldn't be uh, putting the cart in front of the horse unless that cart has a fucking engine on it. Oh my goodness. Donald Trump does not belong on Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is for people that transcend the office of president. <coughs> Excuse me, that's a good week. George Washington transcended the office of president by the way he held the office of president. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, penned most of the Constitution, was one of the founding fathers. Theodore Roosevelt founded the National Park System, was one of the Rough Riders. I mean, this man fought against Tammany Hall and won. Then you got Abraham Lincoln. He freed the fucking slaves. What did Donald Trump do? What did this dick stain do? What, what did this orange blotter do? What has he done? Okay, yeah, he was in North Korea. I will say that's, that's some impressive shit. Um, the American leader is in North Korea shaking hands with Kim Jong-un. But... Kim Jong-un is the biggest American dick sucker out there. The dude wants to be an American. He loves everything America. Hell, didn't he even go to school here or something like that? I mean, come on, people. Really now. I'd be more impressed with Dennis Rodman up there on Rushmore because he's the one that brokered the peace with North uh, Korea and South Korea. He's the one that actually stepped over there and did something to put us in the position we're in right now. The big worm. Yes, Dennis Rodman, the man that wears wedding dresses. Don't hate on him. Congratulate on him. Because he did something good. And we're going to put the credit where it belongs, damn it. Not with Donald Trump. I will give that man credit, though. He He is unifying the country in ways not necessarily good. But he is unifying the country in ways. You know, the black community is standing together a little bit stronger now. Um, The white community is definitely standing together. They never stopped. Um, So, through his division, he's creating unity. It's some weird, wild shit. I, I fully don't understand it all. And I hope somebody puts it to rest in November. Moving on. I want to 
little bit about our uh, troglodyte of the week. I think it came up with a good one this week. Um, this person, I follow this person on Facebook. I, I had the biggest crush on this person. This person is female. I had the biggest crush on this person for years. I mean, she's absolutely beautiful. Oh my God. She's like one of those, I would eat the corn out your shit kind of girls. You know what I'm saying? Like I would suck the fart out your ass kind of girl. She is fine as fuck. Okay. And I follow her on Facebook. She is a staunch Republican. I mean, she is she is more Republican than the Republicans. I mean, this lady, Tony Lair and her are like twins damn near. I mean, she's so fucking right wing. And I, I, I didn't think that it was going to be as political and as right wing as it was when I started following her because I just followed her because damn she's fine as hell and I just want to catch a bikini pic you know what I'm saying or you know just catch you looking good in the morning kind of thing just damn woman shit you fine now nothing but rhetoric every day and, and, and some of the the most mean hearted backhanded disgraceful shit I've seen I mean, she talks shit about women. She talks shit about black people. She is a black person, I think. I want to say she is. She looks the part. Um, I will say she's ethnic, okay? And she talks shit about everything like that. She, she's so blinded and brainwashed by the system that she's hurting herself. Like, I totally lost all respect for the woman. And, and it's sad because, man, she was... She was a beautiful thing in my life. <laughs> Not anymore. So our Troglodyte like this week is Stacy Dash. Yes, the one and only Stacy Dash of Clueless fame. You know her, that little light-skinned girl that was all, uh, yeah, her. She, she's the one that had the Donald Trump on Rushmore post. That's where I got it from. Okay, and that's what made me go, that's like the first Hollywood actress, actor, that is so right-wing and hurts. I mean, she makes Ted Nugent look liberal. See, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at, man, I can't even roast this person properly because I have had such a hard-ass crush on her for so damn long that it's like, no, I can't destroy you. <laughs> what did Drago say in Rocky for? <laughs> so Stacy Dash, you wet ass, wrinkly faced, Botox mouth. Ah oh, man. See, I should have sat down and wrote some stuff down because I got emotion coming through and I can't even get my words out right. She oh I'm just gonna let you guys do it to yourselves. Let, let just just troll away, roast on, please. Anytime, just come onto the to podcast page on Facebook and just blast Stacy Dash, please. Like every chance you get, blast Stacy Dash. She's she's not worth the time or space. I'm glad she's not out there in movies and any of that shit anymore because I would not want to give her any money. I'm boycotting the hell out of anything and everything Stacy Dash. 
our troglodyte of the week right here. The You Right Podcast. We're going to take a quick little break, folks. We're going to be back with uh, some sports and shit and some other stuff. And uh, keep it on the light side here for you. Stick around. It's You Right Podcast. Folks, welcome on back. We're going to do something a little uh, serious here for this middle segment on the You Right Podcast. This is your boy, Mick. Um, I want to get down to dirty on some bullying. I want to talk about bullying a little bit. I want to uh, shed a little light on it, go through a few things on my end, uh, tell my story of bullying, and uh, see if we can cure this in there. Go a little bit into, you know, how adults overreach on the situation and how the adults actually make it worse than it really is. Um, so let's start with my story. I was bullied as a youngin' um, when I was just a little kid. Like, what? Not really in first grade or second grade, but uh, third grade is when it kind of started. I transferred schools. Um, I started going to a private school. And, you know, you get around some, some hoity-toities and they get to talk to shit if you, you know, just a little hood rat. <clears throat> and I was just a little nappy-headed hood rat dude back then in <laughs> 1983. <laughs> so, I got picked on third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I mean, I had, I had a bully on the bus. I had one at school. Um, they were two different people, but they were in the same class. They were the same age. They were a grade above me. And I, I think the one on the bus, I personally think that was more like brotherly love than anything else because we, we lived in the same neighborhood. We hung out with each other outside of school. We did things. So that could be that one. So I don't really count him um, as much. His name was Jose. And he just picked on me, you know, gave me Charlie horses, noogies, that kind of shit. Brotherly type ribbing. Um, This other guy, Travis, he picked on me hard from fifth grade all the way through seventh grade. Um, Almost to the point of fights. Um, He just, he just was unrelenting. Every moment he saw me, he was just in my shit all day long talking about something. And he would just look me up and down and just pick something for that day. Um, it was it was brutal. And then I left that school in after eighth grade because that did it, it was a K through eight. I left that school and I went to a public high school on the other side of town. And I decided going in that I was going to redefine who I was as a person. And so I changed my whole everything, my whole outlook, what I did, how I am, who I am. Every, I, I was a fucking skater in, in ninth grade. <clears throat> the dress, the look, the everything. That was Skaterville. That was me. I wasn't a skater per se. I was freestyle bikes. That was my thing. Um, but that's that's the lifestyle I wanted to portray. You know, I had the whole fanny pack and all that shit, dude. I looked just like one. And I got to high school... And I decided I was never going to be bullied again. It was literally a conscious thought, like, that will never happen again. I'm whooping anybody's ass that steps to me, 
you know, at the time, I was like 5'9", 5'10", 250. I was a healthy-sized boy. <laughs> and I did not have a problem laying hands on people, any of them. <clears throat> and uh, so I got to high school, and I decided I was never going to be picked on. But the crowd I hung out with in high school picked on people. And I found myself doing the exact same thing that I hated doing or hated being done to me. I became the bully. And I did it for four years. And I kind of liked it. And it was scary. Um, And I picked on like three guys in particular. Um, And it was strictly because I was a jock. I hung out with the jocks. We picked on anybody that was not athletically inclined. That's all there was to it. One guy got picked on, but and he was on the hockey team, but they picked on him because he he did stupid shit. <laughs> he was a cool dude. But he did stupid shit, so they picked on him and, and so I picked on him just to follow along. And you know, I have since apologized to those that I, I uh that I bullied, you know, Andy, I'm sorry again, bottom of my heart, I was a stupid child, not knowing what I did. Um, I wasn't a ruthless bully. The, the stuff I did wasn't nice. You know, I threw somebody in a sink. We had the little, they were like half moon looking sinks and they had like a foot bar and then like a waterfall looking faucet. But it was like, you could literally lay down in the sink. <laughs> so yeah, I put somebody in the sink and turned it on. <laughs> I gave I gave swirlies and, you know, that kind of stuff. I was I was that kind of bully. You know, I'd walk down down the hallway and knock your books out of your hand type of person. That's, that's the shit I did. Um, <laughs> I do not condone any of those actions at all. Um, bullying is destructive to the victim um it creates really bad things it it, it does really bad things to a person um I know because I was bullied and it, it really fucked my brain up um but I learned honestly the, the the truest and honestly the easiest way that I found to combat bullying is to stand up and fight back That's all those kids want you to do, is to stand up and fight back. They want to see where you're standing. They're testing you. That's what the most part of it is, is they're testing you to see just what type of a person you are. Are you going to take it, or are you going to give it? And most of them want to be around the givers. They don't want to be around the takers. You know what I'm saying? So you just give it back. You know, my son... (laughs) He grows up in a different household. So when he comes and visits me, there's there's a clashing. And today he said it to me. Why are you bullying me? It's like, dude, I'm not bullying you. <laughs> I derive no pleasure from this. I'm not intentionally trying to hurt you. I'm just tickling you and, and, and poking at you and just... I'm, I'm having, you know, family fun, you know. I'm just ribbing you because you're my family member you know we're we are a pack we are 
a gathered group and men you know to form bonds do physical stupid shit um that's just how men are <laughs> we do stupid physical shit you know like punch each other wrestle around that's that's what we do that's we're feeling each other out we're seeing you know where you stand on this totem pole of life you know are are you a guy that's going to stand next to, next to me in a fight are you are we going to be back to back in a fight or are you going to be gone you know three types of people <laughs> and that's what guys looking for they want to know who's that guy standing next to him who's that guy behind him and who's that guy's behind him um, so those are my few thoughts on bullying. And I just wanted to keep that short. Let's talk about the, the adult overreach. Like, things like dodgeball. And I know I've said this before in previous podcasts. I personally don't think dodgeball is a bad game. I personally did not single out any one person. I singled out everybody. I wanted to win. <laughs> You were all getting hit if I had the ball, man. I don't even care. Shit. It's called competition. It's just, you know, how do you do it? Do you compete or do you sit back and enjoy it? I compete, man. I, I, I want to be the best. That's just something that's that drives me every fucking day. Just to be the best. At anything that I do. And at, at, at certain points, I have to step back and go, fool, you can't do that shit. <laughs> and, you know, you have to take a self-assessment of yourself and know, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, this podcast, I believe, could be a strength for me if I get it going the right way. Um, so that's why I'm doing it. Um, it's very therapeutic. I miss talking to y'all. Honestly, it's been a long week and a half, almost two weeks. <clears throat> and uh, I apologize again for that. Um, but I still want let's let's get back into this adult overreach before I slide off and down another slope. Um, I feel that the adults that felt that they were singled out are the ones that are talking out about it. Saying, oh, dodgeball is bad because... It does this and that. I mean, I talked to my own mom about it, and she was one of those singled out kids. And and she, you know, she hated the game because they all, the boys would just wind up and let it go. Half the time it's because they have a crush on you. Um, The other part of it is they just don't understand their strength when, when you're in the moment. And everybody gets the same speed. <laughs> that red ball flies at the same speed. <laughs> um, the school I went to was nice. They deflated the balls we played with so that they didn't bounce. They were flat. So it would just hit you and drop. Now, if you got hit wrong and it, like, cupped your face, you would really catch it. Or, Shadow, cut it out. Or if it, like, you know, caught you in the wrong part of your body, flat, it it didn't feel good. But it wasn't anything that was like, you know, I'm banging a beaner off your head. It was never anything like that. But I feel adults overstep their, they they, they overstep their bounds. They they, they don't stay in their lane, you know. 
fun and games are for kids. They shouldn't be regulated like an adult game. You shouldn't regulate a child's game like an adult. They're kids. You know, when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking about, you know, oh, you know, I would throw it at girls that I liked. You know, I would try to get them out because I liked them. I was a stupid boy. It's just what stupid boys do. It wasn't like I was bullying on them or picking on Oh, I was picking on them all right, but that's because I thought they were cute and I wanted to kiss and hug them. <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> and seeing that, that innocent childish flirtation shouldn't be construed as sexual assault. How else are you going to learn who and what you are as a person if you can't practice it? And I feel that's how we got all these confused people that don't understand what sex they are. I mean, sex is genetic. It's not an identification. I, I identify as male because, yeah, I take my pants off, you will see my male. You know what I'm saying? But if I don't take my pants off, I got titties. If I shaved completely everything, you wouldn't know if I was a man or a woman. But it really doesn't matter. You know, what my sex is doesn't matter. It shouldn't. You shouldn't care who I'm sleeping with. I don't care who you're sleeping with. It doesn't doesn't come out of my ass when I put it in my mouth. That's your problem, not mine. You know what I'm saying? Joe Rogan, on his show, he was was talking with, uh, I think it was Neil Brennan. Um, Yeah, it was Neil Brennan, who was uh, one of Dave Chappelle's writers. Neil Brennan's a funny guy. He's got his own podcast, What Neil Do. And uh, he's got some good stand-up and some good shows out there. You should check him out. But anyways, they were talking about this gay straight thing too. And they came down to about the same thing I came up with. It don't matter anymore. Us straight people don't give a fuck. I don't care. Be gay. Please. Whatever makes you happy, boo-boo, do you. You know... And what Joe and Neil said, it's time for the gay action movie. Okay? We need to have just two just flamboyantly gay people just out there doing some gay action. You know, not being gay, but I mean, dude, be gay and jump off a fucking building and run down the side of a mountain and blow some shit up. It's okay. You can do that too, boo-boo. I don't have a problem. And then when you're done, go suck a dick. Cool, baby. I don't have a problem with it. It's not going to be my dick, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't have a problem with you. You know? Um, it, that, that breaks down to uh, we need to get to a place where orientation doesn't matter. Okay, um, these other sexes feel, you know, like they're not included in anything because we don't talk about it. It's not out in the open because our heterosexuality is in the open and this, that, and the other thing. And I don't see it as heterosexuality is out in the open. I don't even like the shit in the movies personally. I look at it and it's like, is that necessary? <laughs> Do I really need to sit here and watch these two people kiss? I don't care about that shit. Yuck. Get the fuck out of here with that, dude. 
I don't care if it's two guys, two girls, a guy and a girl, six cows and a monkey. It don't matter. I don't want to watch that shit. Ew. Now, we're talking about gratuitous nudity. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> you know, you want to flash a titty? Cool. I don't have a problem with frontal nudity. Show the dingling. Especially if it's a big one. And especially if it's a little one. That shit's funny. We got to see it. It's hilarious. We need to get to a place where it doesn't matter anymore. We need to get to a place where, you know, the fact that, you know, there's fat guys with little dicks. It's comical. Yeah, it, their feelings are hurt for a little bit. But, you know, they get to a certain age and they they can handle it. <laughs> you know, you come to grips with certain shit in life and then you learn how to handle it. Um, we need to get to that place. And once we get to that place where orientation doesn't matter, I think then this, this new term, toxic male or toxic masculinity, won't matter anymore. Because... You know, the, the, the toxic male syndrome goes either way, gay or straight. It doesn't matter what, what your orientation is. If you're a toxic person, you're a toxic person. It shouldn't be gender specific because there's toxic women out there that do toxic ass women shit. Okay? Just people do stupid shit. Period. We don't need to label it. There is no necessity for labeling. I mean, that's, that's a very human thing to do. we got to put a label on it. It's got to have the name. No, it doesn't. Let it just be Mishka Bibble. Fuck it. Who cares? Fuck it. It's not worth it. <laughs> Adults need to stay in their lane and let the kids be kids. Okay? Let them do kid shit. You know, half the stuff that I did as a child, I look back and go, fuck, dude. I'd be a registered sex offender. I would have been... Uh, thrown in jail I would have been kicked out of school you know my first kiss was so cute and innocent and then like the backlash of that kiss was even more cute and more innocent and just the whole situation was adorable as my mom tells it to me in later years cause I don't remember it that way as a child I remember kissing a girl and I remember this other girl being mad that I kissed the girl. Now, I don't remember what that other girl had to do or say, but my mom knows. <laughs> and she told me, and it was cute as hell. Oh my God. But, you know, I gave this girl an Oklahoma welcome at the bus stop before school one day. I, I just walked up, grabbed her, whipped her over the, the hip, gave her a kiss, you know, foot up in the air, caught her off guard. It was 1979. Times were simpler back then. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) That's sad to say, but shit. So we need to just ease up. Let people live. Life is experience. And, And we're starting to take experience away by worrying about offense. Okay? If... If you get offended and are that sensitive over stupid shit, build a bridge. Get over it. I saw some shit. Chris Brown made a song on his newest album. And uh, there's a line in the song. 
that talks about how he only likes to mess with girls that have that good hair. Now, any normal, I won't say normal. That, that's a bad terminology to use nowadays, because what is normal? Any African-American person over a certain age understands the term good hair. We use that term because we understand what bad hair is. <laughs> bad hair takes work. Bad hair needs moisturizers and masks and this and that and you gotta oh man the shit I have to do to my hair just to make it feel good nice and soft and fluffy and silky smooth man I am envious of people that don't have to do that they have good hair their hair doesn't need all this product and crap to make it do anything they just got nice healthy hair it's nice and good it's silky, it's got sheen and shine, bounce and volume. That's good hair. And yes, most white people have it. Most black people got nappy ass shit that needs a hot comb and like six pounds of Crisco and some butter. You know what I'm saying? I mean, shit, I use Blue Magic. <laughs> Blue Magic Petroleum Jelly. <laughs> So many inappropriate jokes with that from my childhood. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I use a heavy, thick, like damn near Vaseline style conditioner just to make my hair pliable, you know, just so it does what it's supposed to do. Not even to make it soft. That's like three different shampoos and two conditioners before I get out of the shower. Then I gotta put a leave-in in and then I gotta do this and then I gotta do that. So yeah. I'm jealous of people that have good hair. And I, I'm, I'm happy my daughter has somewhat good hair. She's got a fucking mop on her head. Holy shit, it's so thick that it that's her mom's fault. So her mom's got some thick ass hair, man. That thing's like a horse's mane. And, <clears throat> you know, she, she has to do some stuff to, you know, because I'm black. And to get that good quality, she has to do some stuff to it. And so this girl on just went off on Chris Brown on Twitter because she obviously ain't got good hair. <laughs> a bitch must be a nappy-ass troll. Because <laughs> she got all kinds of offended over it. Like, uh, how are you going to say what good hair is and this and that and that to that? And it's like, you know what, chick? First off, <laughs> fuck everything you heard in life, man. I don't give a... And that's how Chris Brown put it. He's like, I don't give a fuck about what you gotta say. <laughs> you know, it's not discrimination if it's a preference. And a preference isn't discrimination. It's just a preference. It's discrimination if you go out of your way to go, oh, you're a nappy-ass bitch. Fuck you. That would be discrimination. But if you're like, no, sweetheart, I'm sorry. You're just not my type. That's preference. There's nothing wrong with preference. Everybody has a preference. You know, I prefer not to be around certain people. <laughs> That's not discriminating. I just prefer that shit, dude. I don't walk up to them and be like, fuck you. Well, sometimes I do. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Okay, so we need to drop this whole offensive sensitivity, moral police ass bullshit. Because first off, 
everybody's got an asshole. Everybody's asshole stinks. Okay, so don't show it to me. Go watch that thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, keep your shit to yourself, literally. Don't worry about it. If you get offended over some stupid shit, be offended. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) The world's not going to end. You don't have to call everybody onto your side for it because you know what? I don't necessarily have to agree with how you feel. You know, that's, that's my personal choice and opinion. I can choose how I feel. And I can pick and choose what I feel. And I don't have to be 100% for you or 100% against you. I can be three quarters and one fifth for you. You know what I'm saying? So, everybody, just relax. Try to love each other. I mean, that's just the golden rule. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated. It's, It's really that simple. You know, if you like to be treated like shit, then treat everybody like shit. And then you'll get treated like shit. And then everybody's happy. You know, but then please wear a sign that says, I like to be treated like shit. So that we have an understanding going forward and and coming up too. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to like be thrown off guard because you like to be treated like shit. Because I'm in a happy world most of the time. You come up to me like... We might be fighting. (laughs) But if you got a sign that says, hey, I like to be treated like shit. I'm going to step sideways and give you a lot of space. You know, because I don't need that shit in my life. You heard? So we're going to take another break, folks. We're going to come back with uh, with some sports. I got I got some sports to talk about. Yay! Even though we're in this dead ass time of the year. July. There's no sports anymore. This is fucking boring. Stick around. This is the You're Right Podcast. Alright, folks. Welcome on back. This is Mick. you Right Podcast. We're going to get into some fun shit now. Business is all to take care of. Talk about the real stuff in life. Now we can talk about some fun stuff. The NBA draft, MLB, sports. I love sports. I don't know why either. I mean, I love competition, <coughs> but I hate sweating. <laughs> <coughs> All right, so the NBA had a draft a week or so ago, and uh, where they, you know, the 32 teams, or 30, yeah, 32, I think. Yeah, 32 teams picked uh, their players. NBA has two rounds, total of like 68 uh, players are picked, or I think it's 65, something like that. Um, and uh, they had the lottery a couple weeks ago where the New Orleans Pelicans won the first pick. And with that pick, they said they were going to take Zion Williamson. Um, yeah. What the lottery kind of does is it like it gives you time to you know get your contracts in order, get it all set up. It makes the draft move a lot faster when you got the first fifteen, pretty much. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, 
and it goes really quick, and then after that, it slows down. So, the Pelicans took their Zion Williamson, you know, the next Michael Jordan, you know, sent by Jesus to play freaking basketball for us all. Um, dude is a monster, man. Six foot eight, two hundred sixty-eight pounds. He's got like forty-some inch vertical. Man's a monster. It's just absolute monster beast. Like if he gets a solid jumper, it's over. <laughs> it's absolutely over. Nobody will stop him or mess with him. He controls the game, and that's what makes him special. He transcends the game by controlling it. That's what Michael Jordan did. That's what an Allen Iverson did. That's what you know Kobe Bryant did. That's not what LeBron James does. <clears throat> Excuse me. Holy crap! I need more liquor. Okay. So, playing fetch with the dog too while they're at it. I'm multitasking tonight. Watch out. So, the NBA Finals happened. Toronto won their first championship ever on the back of Kawhi Leonard, who came to them from San Antonio and after this year has become a free agent. And nobody knows where he wants to play. But he hasn't said anything yet. He's been in talks with a few teams. And uh, it looks like he's going to make a decision here shortly. Anthony Davis played with the New Orleans Pelicans. They tried to talk him into staying because he's a free agent this year. He said, no, go. I'm going home to L.A. And it's like, you don't want to play with Zion? He's like, no, I'm going to play with LeBron. So Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers. LeBron James gets his his wish. Didn't quite go the way he wanted it to, but in the end, he got what he wanted. Um, and then, um, in that trade with uh, New Orleans for Davis, a uh, few players went, a few players came, kind of saying, you know, people moved around. So LeBron pretty much got rid of the squad that was there last year. Uh, only a couple players remained. And uh, the biggest question was, where's Kevin Durant going? Where's uh, Clay Thompson going? Those two guys played on the Golden State Warriors. And part of that dynasty that won two championships in a row. And, uh, and just came short on, on the third, the three-peat from uh, Kevin Durant blowing his Achilles. And Clay Thompson frying out his ACL. Um... So, Kevin Durant was an unrestricted free agent. He could have signed a max deal with Golden State for almost $200 million. He decided to leave. Signed with the Brooklyn Nets for 164 I believe. And he won't be playing basketball for another year and a half. So, he's gone for a while. <laughs> we won't see KD. But Brooklyn managed to get rid of one of their guards, D'Angelo Russell, and pick up Kyrie Irving who, in my opinion, is like the second best player in the world. The man is love on the court. He is nice. (laughs) Kyrie Irving is nice. Um, So we got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. So KD's going to try and win another title eventually there in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was an up-and-coming team, but... They have totally, like, changed everything around since last season. So we'll see what happens because it's not going to be the same team on the floor. And then 
dog, you dumbbell. So I'm playing pitch with the dog, and he got the ball stuck behind the washing machine. All right, so. Where did I leave off? Oh, yeah. Kevin Durant and them. Kevin Durant. I'm going to give this guy a new title. He's like Bitch Boy Supreme. He's super sensitive basketball player of the year. He's going to get an award for that shit. Um, he's just... He's a crybaby. And... He left Golden State with for the reasoning of... There was no love for me there. He was like, time out, dude. These guys lost the championship to LeBron James. The next day, called you and said, we need you. We want these rings. Come on over. That's nothing but love, if I've ever heard anything. And then they changed who they were as a team to accommodate your ego. That's nothing but love. And then the whole city embraced you. That's still nothing but love. So what did the Golden State Warriors do as a as an ultimate show of love? Check this out. They're retiring Kevin Durant's jersey. This motherfucker only played two seasons with them. Yeah, he won a couple rings. But they were winning rings before he got there. KD hadn't won a ring. They did. KD came to a winning team to get a ring and got two and got broke off on the third. So, shit. Fuck out of here, Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, you need to man up, dude. You're playing basketball. You get, who gives a fuck where the love is? Baby, play ball. Get out there, dunk on somebody, shoot the ball, you know. I appreciate him coming out and blowing his Achilles. You know, he, he he shouldn't have came out and played. He came out and gave it up for that city. And and that's how they're looking at it. Um, <sighs> it was all it was both both sides fucked up majorly on that one. Kevin Durant shouldn't have played. He shouldn't have got cleared. It shouldn't have happened. Either way. The doctor shouldn't have let him go. I mean they either misdiagnosed it or misreported it. One of the two. Because he, he popped his calf and was out for a month. He came back and blew his Achilles. Okay. Um, I personally, in my baseball uh, league that I play in, back in, what was it, February? I believe, February. I, I popped my calf. <laughs> and then, what was it? Uh... May, I damn near blew up my Achilles. <laughs> but they're not related injuries. <laughs> the fuck out of here. I'm done talking about Kevin Durant. He pisses me off. Let's talk about this new thing that happened. Um, fucking Colin Kaepernick. Back in the news. So, Nike was set to release tomorrow, which will, tomorrow is going to be, uh, I shouldn't say tomorrow. <laughs> this is tomorrow in my world. It might not be tomorrow in your world. So the 4th of July, Nike was set to release their Betsy Ross 
Air Maxes. Um, the Betsy Ross edition showed the flag of 76 on there, you know, the 13 in a circle with the bars and stripes. Colin Kaepernick spoke out and said that that was offensive because that flag was a symbol of slavery. Let's set the record straight here, shall we? (laughs) With Colin Kaepernick logic in hand. Um, The Civil Rights Bill was signed in what, 68? Um, The right to vote was signed what, 64? So we'll say the earliest is 64. Latest is 68. So in that span, that's when uh, some good shit happened for black people for for a split second in time. Um, Hawaii became the 50th state in what? Like 52, 56, somewhere in there? Um, 58, somewhere in there. Before 1960, Hawaii was the 50th state. Which means... Before 1964, there were 50 stars on that flag, which means 50-starred flag is also a slavery symbol. This is a little outlandish and over the top and just come on, okay? Enough is enough on certain things. Yeah, You can't say every flag is the flag of slavery because let's talk about the Union flag during uh, the Civil War when they fought for the freedom of the slaves. Are you just going to call the whole thing? You know, you you need to set a boundary at some point. You you are starting to tiptoe on a slippery slope which is going to incite a race riot over some stupid shit. A flag. And then it, 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 it's like, I appreciate what Colin Kaepernick is doing by starting the conversation. I do appreciate that. It needs to be had. I don't appreciate him using whatever as leverage in his situation. Because of how he, because of his standing with Nike and what he has done with Nike and what has been done since and for him, I mean, he's pretty much the spokesman for the brand. So that's why they listen to him. But he doesn't speak for all black people. I'm not offended by the flag of the Revolutionary War. Um, That's when America became America. Now, if we would have stayed English, we would have been freed slaves a lot sooner (laughs) than when the United States did it. But you know what? Six of one, half dozen of the other. At that point, you're just crossing hairs. I mean, everybody, everybody back then practiced slavery. If you were European, you practiced slavery. That's all there was to it. It was the thing of Europe. Uh, I don't even want to say anything more about it. Colin Kaepernick overstepped his his blackness 
on this one. Um, I don't think saying that it's a symbol of slavery is the right words to use. I would just say the flag in and of itself goes against what he was standing for or what he was kneeling for, if you, if you will. Um, we still need to address this pro- police brutality. We still need to address this profiling of uh, races. We still need to address um, why people of color are going missing. You know, there, there are harsh realities in this country that need to be addressed. We need to fix our cleft palate, you know. Slavery is our birth defect. We need to fix it. You know, or learn. We, we're not just going to learn how to live with it. This isn't Down syndrome. This isn't palsy. This is a cleft palate. It can be fixed. And we just need to fix it. So, enough Kaepernick. Um, I want to send a shout out to the man that created the soccer mom, the minivan, the minivan uh, maven, uh, Mr. Lee Iacocca himself. Uh, he died today, July 3rd, uh, at the age of 94. The man that invented the minivan. Son just waving at me. Say hi to the people, Brandon. Who? Huh? Say hi to the people. Hi. Okay. So we want to send a shout out to the, the Iacocca family. Uh, thank you, Lee, for your contribution to the Americana uh, history of automobiles. <laughs> and uh, for all your work you did in automobiles. <laughs> I don't mean to be insensitive. <laughs> And I also want to uh, do a RIP for uh, Jarrett Lorenz, uh, the young man. He was a quarterback out of the University of Kentucky, got drafted into the NFL, played for the um, New York Giants, and I think a couple other teams before he uh, got pushed out of the league. Jarrett Lorenz is known as the largest quarterback in NFL history. Um, he was a big boy. <laughs> there was no joking about it. Jarrett was uh, tipping the scales at over 300 pounds playing the quarterback position at six foot four. Not necessarily, Brandon. They didn't get obliterated in his way. He wasn't that kind of a runner. He got tackled a lot. But he, it took like two or three people to do it. <laughs> he was a big boy. But it looked funny because, I mean, it's like, hold on. Why is that lineman throwing the ball? <laughs> Wait a minute. Shouldn't you be blocking somebody, big boy? No, he's throwing the ball. Okay, cool. But uh, let's send a rest in peace out to him. Uh, he passed today at the age of 38. Um, he will be missed by those that love him. And... Uh, Condolences out to the families of Mr. Iacocca and uh, Mr. Lorenz. Moment of silence for those two, please. All right, folks, let's talk about this latest thing that just happened. Major League Baseball was in London. They were. They were playing baseball in London in uh, Wembley Stadium. Um... The stadium boasted the largest foul territory in Major League Baseball history 
I watched the game. It was between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And that foul territory was huge. Like, you hit a foul ball, it was an out. You, you didn't get a second chance. It was an out. Like, there was so much room. The guy could cover the territory and make the catch. It was That was the bad part about it. They should have put some stands there, mm-hmm. brought it down closer, or brought it closer to the wall or something. And then the other bad thing was it was only 385 feet out to center field instead of the standard 410 um, or more that we're used to. But it was deep in the alleys, so it was it was an interesting field. Um, a few Yankees went yard, and uh, I believe it was Aaron Hicks was the first American to hit a home run in England. Now, just like the game in Mexico that happened a month or two ago, in this game, there was an ad on the helmet in the same spot right over the opposite ear. And it was the the sponsoring sponsor of the power company in London. And uh, their name was on the side of the helmet. And then on the batting sleeve of each player, there was also an ad. So I find it interesting that MLB has embraced the, the European slash worldly way of advertising on their jerseys when they're out of the country but they go very authentic in the country and keep that stuff off it's very interesting i'd like to see how how it goes farther in the future because at some point they will be putting ads on that shit too much real estate on those jerseys to not put an ad on it because that's money and we know where this all leads money so I do believe, folks, that's everything. Um, I guess we could wrap up the NBA, but that's not even necessary. We just talked about the draft and how Zion Williamson went to the Pelicans and and uh, KD went to the Nets and LeBron James getting what he wants. And it's turning out to it, that the right moves are being made and the right people are going to the right teams and... This could be an interesting season next year for the NBA. You might want to, you know, sit down and watch some games in your local area. Check it out. Um, It looks like every team kind of made the right move this year. Um, It should be interesting to watch. Might be a lot closer competition going across the board. So we'll see. It'll be fun. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week, folks. This one went a little longer than usual because I was gone a little longer than usual. Hopefully by the next time we talk, I I got a job again. And uh, remember, uh, send in your comments, questions, concerns to the podcast. You can reach me through Facebook. You can uh, reach us through uh, the the email at youwritepodcast at gmail.com. Keep listening, folks. Thanks again. Tell a friend, and remember, on the journey of life, (laughs) I always mess this up, and I actually have it written down. (laughs) On a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Please remember to tie your shoes. My name's Mickey. This is the You Right Podcast. See you next time.